Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Wrestling Uncensored. It's your post-SmackDown show. And I'm here to talk to you about SmackDown. Okay? Are we ready? Is Daniel Bryan done? He wrestled Roman Reigns next week for the title. The Mysterios get a big win. And more. Let's do this thing. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? I'm Dave. There's my main man, Johnny. What's up, Johnny? Could you hear me during the intro? That music was loud, man. I could hear you. No problem. Okay, good. And uh, I thought SmackDown, <laughs> thought SmackDown was pretty good this week. Uh, it was a good bounce back from how terrible it was last week. But this week, I thought we saw some good matches. Not a great episode altogether overall, but still some good moments. A lot better than last week. A huge improvement from last week. Yeah, last week was not good, especially, you know, the week after WrestleMania was not a good show. This week was a lot better. We did see a lot more story movement. I think we saw some new matches added to the pay-per-view there. WWE Backlash, Daniel Bryan return, which is always good for me. I like seeing a lot of Daniel Bryan. We saw a lot of Daniel Bryan. I know, Johnny North, you were already tweeting and you were in the chat already celebrating the end of Daniel Bryan as uh, that's probably what we have to look forward to, Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan next week for the Universal title. If Roman wins, Bryan can no longer be on SmackDown, and he accepted those terms tonight at the end of the show. And uh, that's really the bulk of the show here tonight on SmackDown. It was a lot of Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, Cesaro stuff. We opened up the show with Cesaro in the ring for a promo. Seth Rollins showed up, called him Zazaro. What was that? Zazaro! Did he do that on purpose? It was weird. He, he seemed to be flubbing a lot of his lines. I don't know if, you know, Seth is just, uh, he's kind of drunk tonight or something. I don't know. But uh, he just seemed like he didn't know how to talk right tonight. Zazaro. So Seth came out. He started talking to, uh, to Zazaro. And uh, talking about how he made him into a star at WrestleMania and how he's the new Mr. WrestleMania. And Cesaro wants to wrestle right now so that he can prove to Seth that he can beat him again, no problem. Jay Uso shows up as Seth makes his way to the ring. And Jay is mad that Cesaro challenged Roman last week and he's getting into the head of the table's business. And then Jay and Seth circle the ring, looked like they were going to attack Cesaro. But then Daniel Bryan showed up stepped in as backup for Cesaro. Jay and Seth start to leave, and Brian tells them not to. He says that he's out here because he wants to make sure that Cesaro gets what he deserves, which is a title shot against Roman Reigns. So Daniel Bryan fully behind Cesaro and his his push now to become champion. He wants to act as an advocate for Cesaro of sorts and help him get to where he deserves to be because, as Daniel Bryan said, he's worked harder than anybody on the roster, including himself, including Roman Reigns, and Daniel Bryan mentioning Roman Reigns only there at the top spot because of his family connections. Bryan wonders if Roman is going to come out to accept the challenge, and he says probably not because Roman doesn't actually like to wrestle. And Roman eventually does come out. Pat McAfee went insane when Roman came out, called him the Big Bad Wolf. Pat McAfee on commentary says, uh, 
he is one of the most impressive humans that he's ever laid eyes on. Like Pat McAfee, big time into Roman Reigns there tonight on commentary. Roman comes out and he says he did what he said he was going to do at WrestleMania. Smash him, stack him, pin him. Johnny, I know you like that new Roman Reigns t-shirt, right? I tell you tweeting about that. You love it. It's pretty cool. Well, that line was fantastic. Like, oh, look, look at this, Brian. You're on the bottom. That, that was a great line. Like, Roman had, had some great lines tonight. Yeah, you're on the bottom, right? Because you're a loser. Uh, Roman says, you know, you're a loser, Daniel Bryan. You and Cesaro are losers. You might not be losers. Main event losers. Well, hold on, because he said, you might not be losers to everybody else, but to me, you're a loser. You're a main event loser. That was a good line. That was good stuff from Roman. Yeah. And, you know, to a guy like Roman Reigns who's on top, stays on top, stays the top guy, stays the champion, they are main event losers. They're there to lose to him in the main event. Damn. Harsh. Harsh stuff. Roman says Cesaro has bad luck, but Brian is a stupid loser because he is surrounded with people that want to whoop his ass and he just won't give up. And then Roman just leaves. And we have a tag team match, player. So Brian and Cesaro wind up beating Seth and Jey Uso. It wasn't going to be Seth and Roman Reigns. You weren't going to see that tonight. No shield reunion minus that other guy. Whatever happened to him. Seth and Jey Uso wind up uh, losing to Brian and Cesaro. Brian hit the running knee on Jey Uso after Seth just bailed on the match. Is Jey Uso going to seek revenge on Seth Rollins for abandoning him in the tag team match? Is Roman Reigns going to seek revenge on behalf of his cousin? That was a bit odd. Why did Seth bail? Well, their finishes were all kind of crappy tonight. And I just felt like this was just one of the many finishes that kind of really sucked tonight. Because I thought the match was good, but then you just have a finish that really just came out of nowhere. Really just because like, they had nothing else planned. And it's like, well, we'll just have Seth leave. And it gives like Jay an out because you know it's a two-on-one situation. It makes sense that he loses there. But it, I mean, he doesn't lose completely because it was unfair for him. It's just them again doing this whole fifty-fifty booking still, and it's yeah. They just can't have people lose cleanly, and it's sad because it's only a TV show. Like, no, not everyone's gonna remember this tag match. I mean, just give Cesaro a win. Like, you're trying to build him to be the number one guy. Like, if you can't even give him a win right here, clean. You couldn't even give him the win last week. You had to make it a DQ. Yeah, like these guys don't get over because you don't put them over. He beat Seth at Mania. At least that was clean, right? Yeah, but now he can't win on television. Like, he yeah. can win at Mania, but now no, like, right. you know, there's always a reason why he wins. Mm -hmm. You're 100% right. That's why they can't build anybody, because they don't put anybody over strong. You know how you build Cesaro? Have him win some matches in a row, right? Seems pretty simple, John, well, but apparently WWE doesn't figure that out. It's the only way because, like, let's face it, they're covering him up on the promos because they know he can't talk in a promo. So get everyone else to interrupt him and everyone else to talk for him because he clearly can't do that. <laughs> that was so obvious tonight, right? They're like, ah, oh, Cesaro can't talk, but we're trying to push him. Let's have Brian talk for him. That is really what happened tonight. Daniel Bryan on the mic just after that match, he was doing all the talking. Gets on the mic after the match. Another promo. Now, SmackDown started 
it was the Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins, Cesaro, Roman promo thing. Then we have the tag team match, Bryan and Cesaro over Seth and Jay. And then we have another promo with Daniel Bryan and uh, Cesaro beating up on Jay Uso. So by the end of that whole Bryan, Cesaro, Roman, Seth, Uso thing, we're like 45 minutes into the show. This was half the show, right? This was half the show. Daniel well, Bryan. It was pretty much the main event in a sense, like right. main event early. Yeah, very early. At the beginning, kind of like AEW Dynamite style. I didn't hate it, though. You know what I really liked about this SmackDown? Everybody on the show, pretty much, was fighting for a championship or fighting for the right to fight for a championship or directly focused on becoming a champion. You had the Bryant thing with Roman and Cesaro and trying to get Cesaro a title shot. You had a lot of stuff with the Intercontinental title, Kevin Owens and Apollo Crews, and Sami Zayn was ringside, and he wants a title shot, and he's not giving that up, and Big E wants a title shot. You know, there's a lot of people involved, and they're all wrestling, not for, you know, whatever, because there's black ooze coming out of their face, or they got a fireball thrown at them. It's because they want to be a champion. And that's a storyline I could stick my teeth into way more than some of the other nonsense that the WWE throws at us on a weekly basis, right? Fighting for championships, that motivation, like we always talk about the character motivations not making any sense. I fully understand Cesaro's motivation. He wants to become champion. He never has been. I understand Daniel Bryan's motivation. He, you know, wants to help his friend achieve his dreams. Dreams that he has already achieved himself. I get that. Like, I get the motivations, and I understand when people are looking to fight for championships in the WWE. That's what professional sports is supposed to be, and this is supposed to be sports entertainment. Not just entertainment. Sports entertainment. Focus on the sport every once in a while. And they did tonight, which was good. Brian calls out Roman Reigns after the match. Jey Uso tried to attack, but instead Cesaro swung him around like 20 times while Brian was taunting Roman Reigns on the microphone, telling him he was afraid to accept Cesaro's challenge, telling him that he wasn't really a family man because he won't come out and save his own cousin. And Brian's like, hey, let's check to see if Roman is really a family man. Maybe we'll give him another shot. Let's swing him again. So then they swing Jey Uso again. Cesaro's just swinging him. So Cesaro's doing all the work, looking impressive, while Daniel Bryan is doing all the talking, pumping up Cesaro and making Roman look bad. And at a certain point, he kind of threw it to Cesaro. He's like, hey, he must not be a good guy, right? And Cesaro's like, yeah, it won't even help his cousin. And Bryan's like, yeah, he's not a good family man. So I like that stuff. I thought that was really good. And uh, Brian challenging Roman to come out and accept Cesaro's challenge. And he says that Cesaro will get the match and become the universal champion. And then Cesaro hugs Daniel Bryan. And you can see him talking to him a little bit. You could see Cesaro saying, like, I mean, he's probably thanking him for doing all that talking for him. Because Cesaro, his talking is not that good. But his look and his in-ring work is fantastic. So Daniel Bryan is out there helping for him. And he probably fought backstage to get all that promo time to help Cesaro get over and become a challenger. 
because I do think we're building towards Cesaro versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania Backlash. That's why we haven't announced Roman's match yet because, you know, he's wrestling Daniel Bryan next week for the title. You don't want to announce the Universal title match before that, but I do fully expect it'll be Cesaro versus Roman at Backlash and Daniel Bryan doing Cesaro a favor and doing the company a favor, quite frankly, by talking for Cesaro and helping him get over and become a legit challenger to Roman Reigns on the next pay-per-view. That's the match, right? Is there any chance in your mind that that's not the universal title match? No, I think that has to be it. I thought maybe they go with Daniel Bryan, but the fact that they're pushing next week, it seems like it's almost like a lock for Cesaro because there's really no other challengers unless Roman just doesn't defend and you hold it to like uh, another pay-per-view. But I think that's what it's it's going to be. It's probably going to be the main event. Yeah. And, and to answer someone's question there, Goldust is on uh, AEW. Yes. Not uh, Not this show. That's right. Uh, Goldust is Dustin Rhodes in uh, AEW. He uh, had a bull rope this week attacking QT Marshall. And when I was joking around earlier about uh, whatever happened to that third Shield guy, I hope no one took me seriously because he's obviously John Moxley, a big part of AEW Dynamite that we watch every week here on the Ringside Report Network. Myself, Johnny, and Glenn McKenzie break that down every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. right here on the network. A big shout-out to Doug Hepburn, who knows all about the Ringside Report Network. He is a member of the team. Thank you, Doug, for becoming a member. Uh, Don't forget to become a member over at uh, the YouTube channel. Become a YouTube member of this very channel. Support the Ringside Report Network. You can go to donate.ringsidereport.net as well. And you can also go to merch.ringsidereport.net. Buy a couple of my face on it. Fred's face is there. AJ's face is there. And his famous catchphrase, what? Get that over at merch.ringsidereport.net. Support the channel. Shout out to everybody watching right now. I'm seeing some new some new uh, faces. I would say faces, but I don't see your faces. Some new names that I uh, haven't seen before. And some of the regulars as well. Shout out to Bon Kiki out in Chicago. Seeing more and more of Bon Kiki. Thank you for joining us as well. Dino Steaks. Doug Hepburn says, Moxley is Ambrose? Yes, Doug. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Mako as well. Uh, Lauren Cronish, I see you. Johnny North, I see you in the chat. D Martin, eighty-five. Shout out to you as well. Some new people. Dino Stakes, I like that. Super chat. Patrick C Hamilton with a super chat as well. Thank you, Patrick. My main man, Patrick, out in Regina, Saskatchewan, dropping that super chat with a thumbs up. Thumbs up to you, Patrick. Thumbs up, baby. My man, Patrick. Uh, Thank you for the super chat. You can super chat us at any point during the show. Patrick is one of our big-time supporters, and we appreciate you, Patrick. You are the super chat leader of the night, of course. Uh, And we are back tomorrow night. Don't forget, I'll be back here tomorrow night at 10 p.m. 10 p.m. is like my start time this week, right? Wednesday night, Friday night, and Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, for the UFC 261 watch along that I'll be doing tomorrow night with my main man, AJ D'Alessio. So do be on the lookout for that right here on the Ringside Report Network. Don't miss anything. Subscribe to the channel and click the bell so you get notified every time that we are on. Right? Get those notifications in. You feel me, Johnny? You feel me. So SmackDown was a lot of this Roman Reigns, Cesaro, Daniel Bryan stuff, and it was not over because, of course, we ended the show with Another promo. Did they have to do two promos? I mean, I guess they did, but did they? Did they have to open the show with a promo, match, promo, 
and then close the show with yet another Cesaro, Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns promo? Well, I've done it many times in the past. I feel already with Roman's title reign. And that's fine because at the end they had something that really got you interested and a hook for next week. So for me, for me that worked. Like, if anything, like, they had some good lines to start the show, but they ended it with the most interesting part. So to me that worked. Yeah, they did do a good job in the promo. I just think it was like a lot of promo from those guys tonight. Half the show. I'm comfortable saying Top half guys. the show was them, right? Top guys, yeah. They're, yeah, they're the You're main right. event. Where's Edge? Oh, Edge taking a break. You know, selling the concerto. They they even mentioned, like, Daniel Bryan, like, should he even be in the ring right now? Right, because of the concerto that he took at Mania. Which is good. Got to sell that. Um, Cesaro and Daniel Bryan in the ring to call out Roman Reigns at the end of the show. Roman shows up with Paul Heyman and Jey Uso by his side. Roman tells Cesaro that he didn't earn a universal title shot. And he tells him, no, you are not getting a title shot because you will never be on my level. Which, you know. Roman says that the champ is the one who issues challenges around here. And the next challenger will be Daniel Bryan. Roman says that he doesn't like Brian, and he never has, but he wants to give him one more shot next week on SmackDown. And if Roman wins, or when Roman wins, Daniel Bryan can never, ever show his face on SmackDown ever, ever again. And Brian accepts. And Cesaro encouraged him to uh, accept the uh, title shot and go for it. And he says, you can win. You can do this. Go for it. Cesaro, a much better friend to Daniel Bryan than um, Big E is to Kevin Owens. I mean, I guess Big E isn't a friend to Kevin Owens, but earlier in the show, Kevin Owens was getting an intercontinental title shot, and Big E, fellow babyface, was pretty upset with Kevin Owens for taking that title shot. But Cesaro, very supportive of Daniel Bryan getting that title shot next week. We'll talk about Big E and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Apollo Crews and all of that stuff, Commander Krang and all those guys. But first... I want to talk about Krang. Yeah, don't worry about it. I want to talk about Roman uh, and Brian next week. Universal title match. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't expect Daniel Bryan to win. I would like him to win, just like is a theme on this show. I want Daniel Bryan to become champion, to always be champion to never lose the championship, to be the top guy. I think he is the number one wrestler in the WWE. I like to see him in main event matches because his main event matches are the best main event matches in all of professional wrestling as far as I'm concerned. I think Daniel Bryan is the number one wrestler in the entire world, and when he's in the main event, we get to see the best wrestling matches possible. When Roman Reigns is the champion, he's in the main event, and, you know, if he's got a good dancing partner like Daniel Bryan or Kevin Owens or maybe Cesaro, maybe, you know, he can have some good matches. But Daniel Bryan had great matches with Big Cass and other people that have not been the greatest of wrestlers. Daniel Bryan is a modern-day Brett the Hitman heart in the ring. He doesn't have a bad match. He is a classic all-time performer, 
and he can carry anybody and everybody to a fantastic match. And if you give him a real program and a real story and a main event of a pay-per-view, he can deliver magic. But that's not what the WWE plans to do. They plan to keep on going with Roman Reigns, which is quite obvious to me and everybody else watching. So we probably don't see Daniel Bryan on SmackDown anymore. He'll probably disappear for a while. Then we'll do a draft. I don't think it'll be the night after Backlash. I think it'll be the week after Backlash. That's what they usually do. It's not the night after a pay-per-view, so Backlash is May the 9th, right? It's the 9th. Is Backlash that early? Really? No, 16th. Sorry, it's the 16th. Yeah. May 16th, so probably on the 31st of May episode of Raw, we do the draft. Or maybe we start it at the earliest on the 28th or the 21st, rather, of... uh, Maybe the 24th, we do the draft, and then we finish it on the 28th. Maybe we start it on the 21st episode of SmackDown. Either way, we all expect a draft after Backlash, probably the week after Backlash. So Roman probably beats Brian next week on SmackDown and then disappears from TV for three to four weeks and then reemerges drafted to Raw. Right? I think it's too early for a draft, to be honest. I think you just have them just go to Raw. That's it. Just straight up. You don't need to shuffle the deck. You've already shuffled the deck. You shuffled the deck back, what, September, October? You don't need to do it again. I've heard that they're going to do one after Backlash at some point. Like, not too far after Backlash. By June, I think we have a new roster. Twice a year. They should wait, like. They're not going to. Uh, twice a it, year is a lot. They do it twice a year, though, don't they? They have done it, I think, in the past, but it's a little too much now. I mean, you have, like, Aleister Black coming back. I mean, you have they pretty much have somewhat new feuds now on Raw. You don't really need to shuffle the deck that much. So what do you think happens? Brian just goes to Raw at some point in the future? It's just like, yeah, at some point he goes there? That's all you need to do. Doesn't need to be anything more than that. Just show up, nail somebody. You know, probably Bobby Lashley. That could be pretty good, actually. Bobby Lashley versus Daniel Bryan. That'd be very interesting. Yeah, I think they'd have a great match because Daniel Bryan has great matches with everybody. Him and Lashley would be great too. Um, yeah. So I don't think Roman loses next week to Daniel Bryan, and I think it'll be Roman versus Cesaro at the pay per view, and then Daniel Bryan will just be on Raw at some point. It'll make Rob better. But they need it. They do. But I I never uh I'm never in favor of having Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles on the same show. They're the two best guys that they have. I keep them, you know, one on each so you at least keep the shows even. If you have both of them on the same show, I mean, you're going to make Raw way better. Raw needs it. By the way, where is AJ? Anybody uh, heard news? Because we haven't seen him or Omas since they won the titles at Mania. Two weeks in a row, no AJ or Omas on Raw. Have you heard anything about AJ Styles? I feel it's just they want to not use Omas that much. You know, don't overexpose him. Like When he shows up, it's kind of a big deal kind of thing. He's only had one match so far, right? So when he actually does show up, when he actually does wrestle, it's going to be a big deal. 
Bro, if he's not on Raw on Monday night, something is seriously up, right? Three weeks in a row, you just win the tag team titles, no AJ or Omas. Two weeks is suspicious. You don't think that's suspicious? That they won the titles at Mania and they weren't on Raw the next night or the next week? That's a little suspicious. Well, if you're suspecting COVID, maybe. I think they might just be working like, you know, tag team chemistry, honestly. Mm. And maybe they're just not confident yet to show that on television. I hope you're right. I hope nobody has COVID, including me. Uh, Derek John says, Brian said he wanted to wrestle in other companies while in WWE. I mean, that's not happening. If Brian wants to wrestle in other companies and open a forbidden door, he knows where he needs to go. Anywhere but WWE, pretty much. You work for Impact, you work for AEW, you work for New Japan, you can move around. You work for WWE, that's where you're stuck. So I think Brian's contract is coming up at some point this year, but I don't know. I feel like he's going to stick around. I think he's uh, got a job for life with the WWE. He could be like a trainer or a coach. I'd be thrilled to see him go to AEW because I don't think the WWE will ever use him in the main event, and I don't think WWE will ever put him in a position again where he has a big-time match, where he wrestles for 20, 30, 40 minutes for a title in a pay-per-view main event. I don't know how often that's going to happen. I mean, it might happen once in a while over the next few years for Daniel Bryan if he sticks around and the right circumstances present themselves, but they're never going to put him on top in WWE, whereas I feel if he went to AEW, he'd be a top guy right away. So, I mean, I, I as a Daniel Bryan fan... I'd like him to leave, but I understand that, uh, you know, his wife is planning a comeback and he's got a lot of ties to the WWE and they're going to pay him a ton of money and he does have a job for life working backstage for that company. So I doubt he leaves, but as a fan of the wrestler, I would like him to leave, you know? I don't know. But as a fan of the man... I might want him to stay because it might be the more secure place with more money and safety and stuff. You know, he probably has a, I don't know, man. AEW's got some money and they could pay him to be a backstage guy too. I don't know. We'll see what Daniel Bryan does, but I would bet on him staying, right? Well, I just look at the landscape of Raw and to me, there's a lot of good matches for Daniel Bryan. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's like one of the top guys on Raw. I look at a lot of feuds, like just up and coming feuds for him. Him against Matt Riddle, I think would be really good. You know, I know you wouldn't like it, but I wouldn't mind him and Randy Orton revisiting that a little bit. I think there's a lot of interesting things you could do with Daniel Bryan. And I, I definitely could see him be WWE champion on Raw. To me, I think he could be the most compelling character on the whole show. Hey, I think also- you'd agree with that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, for sure he'd be the most compelling character on the show. He's Daniel Bryan. Uh, But I think probably if he comes back to Raw, his first feud will be for the United States Championship against Sheamus. Because that's what they do with him. I think you build towards that. That's what they do. Slowly, but. Come on, man. They love putting him against Sheamus. That's their favorite thing to do. They will definitely do that again. Uh, Yeah. So that's WrestleMania Backlash coming up. We will also see Bailey versus Bianca Belair. That was a weird little promo backstage. Dirty Dogs being interviewed, then the Street Profits show up. They get in their face, and then Bailey shows up, and everybody leaves. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ding dong, hello, goodbye, get out of here. 
starts talking all sorts of trash about Bianca Belair. She says she's spoiled, and at WrestleMania Backlash, she's going to take the title that was once hers, take her title back, take her spot back at the top of the division that she built. And then Montez shows up, and he's like, uh, oh, I got Bianca on speakerphone here, and uh, Bailey's saying all these things about you, Bianca. And then Bianca's like, oh, yeah, I'll be right there. Then we go to commercial, we come back, and Bianca is right there with Bailey backstage. And she's like, oh, I thought you were saying all these things about me, Bailey. What do you have to say now? And Bailey's like, oh, I just want to say that you made history at WrestleMania. It's going to be an honor to face you at WrestleMania Backlash, and you're the EST, and I'm a big fan of you, and I like you so much, and all this great stuff, I'm putting you over, right? And then Bianca's like, oh, okay. And then Bailey walks away, and Bianca starts talking, and then Bailey comes back. She's like, one more thing. And then she's like, ah, ha, 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 laughing, obviously, because she faked all that stuff that she was saying. She didn't mean it. Uh, and then Bianca was really confused by that. Like, she didn't know what to make of it. I mean, shouldn't she be angry there by Bailey uh, just kind of mocking her? I don't know. I guess Bailey's playing mind games with Bianca Belair. Uh, the promo was a little bit odd. I did like Bailey showing up and just disappearing the Dirty Dogs and Street Profits. Like, they're doing a promo, and Bailey's like, nah, your promo is over. Uh, and I think the most important part about all that is we now know that it will be Bailey versus Bianca for the SmackDown title at WrestleMania Backlash, which will no doubt be Bianca's first title defense, but it should be a good match, and I'm glad at least, hey, out of the SmackDown, we got a new match for the next pay-per-view. No chance Bailey wins, though, right? I like Bailey. Yeah, like she's not bad, but let's face it. They're building towards Bianca versus Sasha, the rematch. That's going to be their big match. I wouldn't be surprised they hold that off as long as they possibly can. Man, if they hold that off to SummerSlam, I, I wouldn't be too surprised. And... I wouldn't be too surprised, too, to see Sasha win it back because I feel like this is something they're going to have go on for quite a while, this this thing. This is like one of their biggest things they have going right now. So I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe Sasha win it back before SummerSlam, and then they have, like, finally the rubber match at SummerSlam. Mm -hmm. So this is going to go on for a while, and, you know, Bailey is just sacrificial in the meanwhile. Like, everyone who faces uh, Bianca right now is sacrificial until it gets to Sasha where she'll probably win the title back. Bailey's lost to too many of these people on SmackDown. She needs a, a show change. She needs to go to Raw. She keeps losing to everybody on SmackDown. You know, she's like being jobbed out. And we're looking at this match with Bianca, and you know Bailey has no chance. She shouldn't be in a match on pay-per-view for the title that she has no chance in. She's too talented. She's good in the ring. She's great on the mic. But right now, it's just not her time. Like you said, the Sasha Bianca thing is too hot. I would keep going on that one as well. And Bailey on the outside looking in. Go to Raw. You can do more stuff. Wrestle Rhea Ripley, wrestle Asuka, wrestle Charlotte. There's stuff for you to do over there. They can get Bailey over to Raw. They need a draft, man. I'm telling you, people need a change of scenery. People have been on the same shows for, the, for too long. There's another way they could do that. I just have her win the tag titles, and then she's back on Raw. With uh, Carmella? Really, I think that's the only other tag partner, unless someone else comes to SmackDown. I think uh, Mia Yim's coming to SmackDown. That could be interesting if they pull something like that off. But there's other ways. There's other ways they can pull that off. You know, I think Bailey. Like, Nia and Shayna, like, it's, it's over. Like, it's been dragging on for too long. 
Like you can put Bailey as tag champ with somebody. Be, mm-hmm. It'd be more interesting. I think Nia and Shayna is over. We saw the cracks continue tonight between them. Reginald, Reginald was back. It's been like a month. Where's he been? Do do we know? Was it? Explained? He said he was sick. Oh, he was sick. He said he was sick. Who did he say that to? Yeah. He said it on Twitter. Oh, with the Rona. He just said sick. He didn't ex- say exactly what. I mean, these days you assume. Uh, Tamina beat Nia Jax by pinfall with a schoolboy, or I guess you might call it a schoolgirl, a little roll-up deal. With the distraction, of course, distraction finish, roll-up with a distraction finish. Now pay attention because the next match finished exactly the same way. Exactly. It was worse. Yeah. So this one... uh, Reggie jumped on the apron. Shayna pulled him down so he didn't get hit by Tamina. But then Tamina kicked Shayna in the back when her back was turned looking at Reggie, which upset Shayna, and she turned her attention to Reggie and started walking him down. And then Reggie fell over, which distracted Nia, which allowed Tamina to roll up Nia for the one, two, three. And uh, Natty was ringside, but she didn't do anything. Pay no attention to Natty. She was just there. So Shayna and Nia continue to have their disagreements, and now Reginald is back continuing to cause these disagreements. Uh, Pat McAfee on commentary said Tamina was going to suplex slam Nia Jax. John, what's a suplex slam? I'm guessing you go from a vertical into like a body slam. It'd be pretty cool if she could pull that off. I don't know I, if she could pull that off. I think he made with it. With Nia, that'd be crazy. I think, I think yeah, he just kind of messed up. up his words. He just messed up his words a little bit. But, again, he's new. He's going to make those kind of mistakes. I actually thought he was better this week, actually, than last week. I, I felt last week he kind of just said a lot of lines that felt very cliche. This week wasn't too bad. Do you think he's better as a new guy than Adnan? Uh, I haven't watched Raw since uh, uh, Alexa has like a doll now, so. Oh. (laughs) My life's a lot better without watching that show now. I'll I'll watch you review Raw. Oh, yeah. That's it. My God. It is painful to watch Monday Night Raw. SmackDown's a lot better. A lot better. Dean Malenko in AEW. Yeah, Dean Malenko's uh, like a producer backstage guy in AEW. He's like, you know, he helps uh, put the matches together with the wrestlers. He's, he's also a like a coach. He's like a coach, agent, producer, backstage guy in AEW. It's Parkinson's, eh? Hope he's all right, Dean Malenko. I love Dean Malenko. He's I one think, of my favorite. Uh, he's favorite on Jericho's wrestlers. podcast. Yeah, nah, I heard him talk about, about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. So don't expect him to ever wrestle again, right? But, uh, man, I love the Iceman Dean Malenko. He was my favorite wrestler in WCW. Like, my favorite. I liked a lot of guys, like, obviously, Ray and Jericho and Hoovy and Kidman. You know, I love those guys. Benoit, Eddie, Chavo. They had a great group of talent. But my favorite was the Iceman Dean Malenko. I like, you know me, I'm a sucker for technical wrestlers and... I don't think there was a better technical wrestler in WCW maybe ever than Dean Malenko. As far as pure technicians, 
chain wrestling. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody better than Dean Malenko, and I'm including Daniel Bryan and Zack Sabre Jr. and all sorts of guys that wrestle that style or a version of that style. I don't think anybody ever did it better than Malenko. My opinion. I think he's the best technical wrestler, pure technical wrestler I've ever seen. Well, he's definitely up there. You know, Chris Adams was wrestling when he was wrestling there too, but I don't know if Chris Adams was really at his peak back then, but, you know, he was still in the mix. Mm. Regal was great too. Regal, Finley. God, that that crop of talent there, man, they had some ridiculous mid-card talent. Ridiculous. Their main event talent was pretty good too, brother. Um, so Tamina beat Nia, and then Kevin Owens is interviewed backstage about his Intercontinental title match that he's about to have. Big E shows up, and he's mad that Kevin Owens is jumping the line and taking his shot. Kevin says, you know, Big E should get a title shot, but not tonight, because tonight it's his turn. Apollo Crews beats Kevin Owens to retain the Intercontinental Championship after a distraction from Commander Aziz. Or as I called him Commander Krang before. Commander Aziz Dabakato. I don't know. Wasn't Krang a commander too? Or was he captain? Was he Captain Krang or Commander Krang? From Ninja Turtles. I think I I feel like he may have been like a general, if I'm not mistaken, but I, I forget which turtles that was. There's kind of different versions of turtles too as well. I feel like he was Commander Krang. Because he was like the boss of Shredder. I feel like at some point they referred to him as Commander Krang. Yeah, in the 80s one, maybe. Like the, the I feel cartoon. like in the... the original well, there's cartoon. different versions, right? The original well, one, saying, maybe. Original cartoon that we watched as a kid, Commander Krang, I thought. This guy. You know yeah, the, the original one, yeah. Yeah, this guy, Commander Krang. I don't know. That's who Dabakato reminds me of, Commander Krang. And Apollo Crews is, is Krang himself. He's the little brain, and Dabakato's like the giant bodysuit man. Anyways, uh, Dabakato, or whatever his name is, Commander Aziz Ansari, shows up, and um, he uh, distracted Kevin Owens, allowing Apollo Crews to get the win. Terrible. Uh, no, and like, and it wasn't well, good just. Match. I mean, the match was very good. It was the match of the night, but it was a terrible finish. Match of the night for sure. Uh, Kevin and Apollo had a really good match, but goddamn that finish, man! Like match of the night, okay, but like, did we really have much competition? I thought the Brian and Cesaro versus Seth and Jay Uso match was surprisingly disappointing. That was kind of a nothing match, good. right? It was mostly promos. It's too long, the match. I mean, two commercial breaks was a little overdone. And it wasn't... And the match just kind of ends when you come back, too. It's like all yeah. that and just ends, like, kind of flat. It wasn't great. Tamina and Naya was obviously not very good. And then Apollo and Kevin, like, yeah, match of the night, but terrible, terrible finish. Sami Zayn showed up mid-match, uh, and he was on commentary. That didn't distract Kevin Owens, but Commander Aziz Ansari getting up on the apron, that distracted Kevin Owens... And uh, cost him the match. Kevin then hit the stunner on Apollo. And then the commander hit the Nigerian nail on Kevin Owens in revenge for what he did to his buddy Apollo. And then Sami Zayn thought it was very funny and he was laughing about it. 
And then he came into the ring and he started dancing over the beaten Kevin Owens. And dancing and dancing and dancing. So what happened was Sami Zayn a few weeks ago on SmackDown started dancing and it became like a meme and a t-shirt and people really liked it. And anytime something is organically good, the WWE just makes them do it way too much and they kill it and that's what they're doing. Because Sami Zayn dancing the last time was good. And when he did it again tonight, I was like, oh, this is good. I guess this is going to become his gimmick. But then it just kept going and going and going until we got to Kayla backstage who's like, oh, I never get tired of Sami Zayn's dance moves. It's like what they did to Fandango. You know, when everybody was doing the Fandango dance and they loved it. And then Stephanie McMahon goes on TV and she's like, oh, I love this Fandango dance. And then they were encouraging the fans to do it. And the fans are like, yeah, it's not that cool anymore. Forget it. And that's what's happening in Montreal. Yeah, I guess, because we're just down for a party no matter what. We don't care. Um, I think most of us miss that promo from Stephanie. But, like, wasn't this overkill of the Sammy dancing? I like it, but I feel like this was WWE being like, hey, kids, isn't this cool? Don't you love Sammy dancing? Kayla loves it. You love it too, right? We're going to have him dance forever. Like, it's good, but, like, in small amounts. I don't want to watch Sami Zayn dance about for 10 minutes. It's no longer funny. At a certain point, it's just like, oh, this isn't funny anymore. It's just happening. It's just still occurring. It's overkill. That's what they do. You know, something actually gets over. They weren't actually planning it as well. But people, you know, got attached to it. And they're like, oh, this is really good. We got to keep doing this over and over and over again. And then maybe eventually people get tired of it. And, wow, it didn't take long for you to get tired of it whatsoever. You got tired of it very quickly. Yeah. Well, didn't it feel like it was dragging a bit? Like they kept on, like, you know, like well, a that, minute too long. Now they're shoving it down your throat. Right. Now before, it was right. kind of just like, oh, it's there. We didn't mean it to, to be there, but it's there. Now it's like, oh, now we have to overexpose it. And, you know, you're you're kind of already sick of it because it's, Overdone. Yeah. It's like if they had Miz and Maurice fall over each other every week on Raw, it wouldn't be that funny. But that one little bit that happened a couple weeks ago, mwah, fantastic. Because it didn't, it wasn't written. It didn't mean to happen. And then it happened. It was very funny. You see the latest Botchamania, John? It's on there. Do you see that? I haven't seen the latest one. I'll check it out. But it this goes back to Naya as well. The whole, like, my whole thing, you know? Yeah, they ran they for that it. for a couple weeks. Or yeah. the Mandy, the Mandy falling thing. Mandy falls at Mania, then the next night Nia's falling all over the place because it's a big joke. Isn't this funny? You like this, right? This is what you like when our talent falls down. This is what you like, right? When Sami Zayn dances, we're just gonna give you a shit ton of it. Overkill. Overkill. That's well, they're they just do. desperate to get something over. That's it, you know, and yep. they'll just cling on to anything and just shove it down your throat until you like it reeks of desperation doesn't it and when they're not doing you know desperate overkill dancing they're doing weird alistair black return promos what exactly was yeah that? it was pretty weird well yeah it's very weird he's in a dark room he's got a giant book called tales of the dark father 
And then he says he's going to read from this book. And he talks about going to funerals as a child with his father and going like a lot and saying that his father became like cold and distant. And he says that the people watching you are monsters and you are turning your children into bigger monsters. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, you're right, Alistair. I should probably turn off the TV. They shouldn't watch this bullshit. It's a stupid show. We should probably stop watching you and the rest of the WWE nonsense. You're right, Alistair Black. I am being a bad father by allowing my son to watch your shitty promo. I will only allow him to watch Daniel Bryan promos because at least he is clean, sensible, and uh, his promos are good. Unlike yours, that suck. That was dog shit. I mean, Aleister Black's promos in WWE have always been bad, but goddamn, man, this guy has been gone for months. He comes back with this? This is what they have? Tales of the Dark Father? A giant book in a dark room with candles? Dutch Undertaker? What is this, Dutch Taker? Ugh. I hate Dutch Taker. He's terrible. You suck, Dutch Taker. Well, when I saw this, I was looking at the cartoon. They were telling the story. To me, it seemed like the Undertaker was his dad, no? Like, that's what it looked like. His dad was kind of dressed like Undertaker. I don't think that's what they were saying, though. Do you think they're trying to say that he's the son of the Undertaker? Undertaker was on a tour of the Netherlands. He had some Jack Daniels. He met Aleister Black's mom. You know, Gunta or whatever. Dutch name. I don't have a Dutch name. I just made one up. Gunta sounds about right. Gunta Black. And Undertaker, you know, had a nice night with her in, you know, 1991. And uh, you know, the rest is history. There's Alistair Black, the son of Honestly, Undertaker like... and Gunta Black. Gunta. I don't think that's a name. <laughs> but like ha- having like the Undertaker is like the deadbeat dad. Like, oh my god, it is. That, that actually could work. It is a name. You've probably heard it from somewhere. I guess there's people named Gunta. <laughs> Was that not a name in The Simpsons? I don't know. There's people named Gunta. Was it a name in The Simpsons? And it's like, you know, from that part of the world. Alistair Black's mother's name could be Gunta, from all I know. <laughs> I thought I was making up a name. I'm, I googled Gunta, and there's a bunch of pictures of ladies named Gunta. Look at, look at all these women named Gunta. That's just a bunch of Guntas right there. Gunta, 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 Gunta. Oh, it's a basketball Gunta. Gunta Basco. What country is she from? Gunta Basco. See, it is a lady's name from a part of the world that I'm not aware of. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Latvian. She's the Latvian basketball player. I mean, for all we know, Alistair Black's mother's name really is Gunta. Oh. Oh, I popped myself. That's good. That's it. Show's done. Gunta. Oh, well, this I've isn't made a dark up a name. mother, it's a dark father. <laughs> Who cares? So, Yeah, Undertaker fucked Alistair's mom, Gunta, right in her Gunta. <laughs> Alistair Black came out nine months later. Right in the Gunta. Fuck her right in the Gunta. Oh, That's disgusting. the only way to make this interesting is if you actually add the Undertaker. 
Because I don't think uh, Alistair Black by himself is going to be that interesting. I mean, it's just Alistair Black, the same Alistair <laughs> Black. It's just, oh, I'm a bad guy now. <sighs> Doug Emperor says Guta is the new Karen. <laughs> Guta. <laughs> it's like a Dutch Karen. You're Guta. I apologize to anybody from the Netherlands if you're offended by my Guta talk. You're like, oh, Guta's not a Dutch name. It's Latvian, you asshole. Sorry. I'm Canadian. I don't know anybody named Gunta, and I don't know any Latvians. I don't think I know any Dutch either. I don't know many people, to be honest, so what are you going to do? I know French people, Italian people, and so on. I don't know many Dutch. Sorry, Alistair Black. <sighs> Taker's your daddy. Gunta's your mommy. You are Tales of the Dark Father. He had glasses on. You notice that? He's got sexy glasses. He's hipster Dutch taker. That's what I've called him in the past, right? Hipster taker. He kind of looks like a hipster undertaker. Jeez. I don't know. I thought the glasses kind of made him look uh, kind of geeky. Like, uh, I didn't like it, but he's a heel, so it's fine. The very hipstery glasses. The, like, gold frames. The, like, the, the you know, the rims there. It was, like, very uh, hipstery. I don't know. It didn't look like nerd glasses. Probably Zelina picked them out for him, you know? Whatever her her real name is. People thought he was gone and wasn't going to come back because, uh, you know, his wife got fired and all that stuff, Zelina Vega, but he's back. He hasn't wrestled since October. Yeah. Where's he been? They just didn't have anything for him. So I, I can understand why people thought he was going to get released. I mean, I think that would have been some smart money on that one, but it didn't happen, and they're actually going to have him come back. I don't have a lot of faith in this working out because it just feels like it's the same Alistair Black just as a villain. I, I don't see how this is going to be that big of a change, but wait and see. Again, if you can get The Undertaker for this, that could change a lot of things. I don't think they get The Undertaker for this. Although I read a, an interview with Taker where he said he was watching WrestleMania and he said, oh, I should have been there. I should have been taking souls and digging holes. Next year, yes. Yeah, he'll be there next year. Because if he watched this year and he's like, damn, I should have taken my broke ass down to the ring. And you will know my name as the old man who can't fucking give up. Gonna make someone rest in peace. No? Like, I mean, if you want to sell out the uh, you know, Dallas uh, Cowboy Stadium, Roman Reigns Undertaker, that's gonna help a lot, I think. I thought Rock Taker would be the thing, though, next year. Yeah, they're not going to do that. No, I not wish Rock they would Taker. do that. Rock, Rock Roman. Rock Roman, not Rock Taker. Sorry, Rock Roman. Oh, <laughs> now, you, now you just went down a peg there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Rock uh, Taker's ridiculous. That's not happening. They would both get seriously injured. It's not good. You wouldn't think they'd wait for Hollywood to do uh, Roman versus Rock? I mean, maybe they can't wait that long, but... yeah. I would think, ideally, they, they wouldn't want to wait that long. If they can, Undertaker versus 
Roman? They've done it already. Well, think about it. Yeah, but that's it. Like, it's for, so we can get the revenge on Roman. It's in his, you know, it's in Texas. Like, makes a lot of sense. But then he doesn't. Well, maybe he will. Like, you always have that doubt because it's the Undertaker. <laughs> well, you better get the belt off Roman then because you can't put the belt on Taker at WrestleMania. That'd be crazy. That's nuts. That shouldn't happen. Unless. One, la- one last ride. One last... Again. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to let anybody retire with the belt, might as well be Taker, right? Beats Roman, retires the next night, do a tournament, whatever. I wouldn't hate that, but I thought we were done here. I thought that Boneyard match was a pretty good send-off. And again... That match with Roman at Mania was terrible. Need I remind you of the botched tombstone spot where they're supposed to tombstone each other and then they just fall into a crumpled heap, the reverse tombstone thing? That was terrible. That match was so bad. And I can't imagine years later it would be better. So I don't really want to see Undertaker go out like that. And if he has another shitty match with Roman, he won't be satisfied. He's going to have to keep wrestling. He had a good match. It was good. Leave it alone. Thank you, Doug. He loves my impressions. Good shit, pal. Good shit, pal. Thanks, pal. I'm getting lustful just thinking about Vince. Oh, God. Anyways... Uh, like, it would be a dog shit match. I don't want to see that shit. It would be so bad. I don't want to see Taker go out like that. He had a good Boneyard match. End it, man. End it. You had the last ride. Everybody thinks you're done. If you come back, people are going to be like, oh, come on, dude. Again? I don't think Roman is the match. I really don't. Maybe you're right, but I think one more match in front of fans... I think that should happen for The Undertaker, especially if it's going to be in uh, Cowboy Stadium. 100,000? Like, yeah, you got to do that. So give him AJ or Brian. Well, not AJ. I mean, they already did that. Or Kevin or Sammy. Kevin. Taker. Yeah, Kevin would be great. I mean, it's got to be someone that you want to see Undertaker beat, though. I mean, if they can build that right, sure. But uh, it, it's Seth. tough. Like, yeah, Seth would be good. But you really think Seth's gonna lose like three WrestleManias in a row? I'd be surprised to see him lose again. He'll be built up over the next year. You know, build him for a year. Why not? Who cares? And Seth can carry him. And Seth's a guy you want to see lose. And he's a good enough athlete. He could carry Taker to a good match. I trust Seth in there more than I trust Roman. Which says a lot, right? Uh, Ray and Dominic. Ray and Dominic beat Otis and Gable tonight on SmackDown. Ray hit a frog splash on Gable for the one, two, three. Two straight weeks where Ray gets a win. Last week he beat Otis. This week he gets the win over Gable in a tag team match this time. Dominic is getting better. And I want to take a timeout because I've been shitting on Dominic for most of his wrestling career. 
want to take a time out I and say, say he looked well. Yeah, his entire wrestling career for sure. He looked fine tonight, and he's been looking fine as his dad's tag team partner in little bits when his dad is leading the way, when he's taking the heat, when he doesn't have to carry a one-on-one match at SummerSlam, you know? He's serviceable and over time will become decent to hopefully one day become good, to maybe one day become very good, to perhaps becoming excellent. Dominic could be good one day, and I want to be the first to say here that I think he's starting to turn a corner, and he has gone from bad to decent. I think Dominic Mysterio is now a decent professional wrestler, and I like him in a team with his dad. I really do. I think this is the best spot for him. This is really the only spot for him at this point, and I think they brought him in a little too strong. He had a little too many one-on-one matches, but now as a tag team partner to his dad, wrestling matches on SmackDown, he's doing fine. So good for Dominic. You know, I was very critical of Cody Rhodes when he first came into the WWE. He was skinny, looked out of place, was very young, was clearly only there because of his dad. But over time, he became better and better. He went from bad to decent to good to very good to now excellent. He is now one of the best wrestlers in the game. But when he started in the WWE, Cody Rhodes was not. He didn't belong. Right, John? I mean, when you saw Cody first come into the WWE, you thought, uh, pardon me? Who is this skinny guy? He was the skinniest, smallest guy on the roster. Didn't look like a wrestler. And the only reason that he was on TV at the time For an average viewer, you know, it was because his last name was Rhodes. But now you look at him, and he is one of the best in the game. So, hey, Dominic could be Cody Rhodes one day. I would love to see that happen. I am rooting for more great wrestlers. I don't want to see the wrestling business filled with bad wrestlers. I'd like everybody to be very, very good. And uh, hopefully Dominic is good. Like when Cody first showed up. You weren't buying that, right? When he was teaming with Hardcore Holly? Nobody was buying that. But now. Right, but that, that's it. I mean, like, You knew back then, like, it's just because of his name that he was where he was at. But it's a little bit different, though. You can't couldn't deny, like, Cody was a bit more, like, of an athlete than uh, Dominic is. Like, Dominic, he knew a couple good flips, but, I mean... He doesn't look credible whatsoever. Like he's even skinnier than Cody, what Cody was back then, and that's pretty bad. So that that's what makes it hurt more with Dominic, and it's hard to really try to get behind him when it's just like, man, like almost anyone off the street looks like could probably beat up Dominic. So it's really hard to believe that he can like go toe to toe with pretty much a lot of the top guys that he's gone against already. It only really works in tag team situations. That's what worked with Cody. Put him with guys. So it kind of covers up the fact that, yeah, he's small, but he takes the beating, and then the partner makes the comeback all the time. That That's what really almost needs to always happen with Dominic until he can actually grow some mass. And tonight, it worked. Who would win in a fight, Dominic Mysterio or Hook Taz? 
Well, I, I take Hook because I imagine Taz actually taught him like some actual like submission. Hook is short as hell, though. Dominic at least has some height to him. They're both pretty skinny, but at least yeah, but I, Dominic seems bigger. Yeah, but I, I imagine like you know Taz at least taught him how to like put on some holds. Like Dominic, he he learned a lot of Cirque du Soleil stuff instead. Like he he learned more lucha libre. He didn't really learn how to punch or kick or anything. You've seen his punch and kicks. Like he definitely hasn't learned that whatsoever. Taz like is... at least with Hook, like oh, please. I'll, I'll you know I'll take a chokehold over like a Hurricane any day. Chokehold. His shoot credentials are grossly overrated. Taz knew his stuff though. You can say what you want about that, but he uh, he knew his stuff. Did he? I don't know. I've heard I've heard him call some shit on TV, and I'm like, you don't know that move, Taz. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. Commentating Taz and like you know the whole like Taz gimmick, like completely different. Yeah, I mean, like Taz, I think, Taz, I think knows. I think Taz is a judo guy, but I'm not really sure. I've heard he's a judo guy, but I haven't really seen any kind of credentials. I haven't heard that Taz. I've heard you know Taz is more gimmick shoot fighter but not really a shoot fighter as far as i'm concerned you know anyways i'm not buying that hook taz is tough or that dominic mysterio is tough i'll take dominic over hook taz i'm gonna take dominic i like that hook's last name is taz according to me that's just me saying that because he doesn't have a last name i think it's just it's just a one name thing he's sharing hook taz his name's hook taz john don't argue with me. Don't you dare argue with me. Uh, so Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns set for next week for the Universal title. If Bryan loses, he must leave SmackDown. Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre will wrestle T-Bar and Mace on Raw. I know, John, you're very excited for that. The rematch that everybody's been waiting for. I'm excited for. not to watch. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got to see T-Bar and Mace, what they really look like. Isn't that crazy? It's like you've never seen Dio Madden or Dominic Djakovic before. At least the commentary team acted like that. Even though I'm pretty sure... Wasn't one of them, like, doing commentary with Dio Madden at one point? Wasn't Corey Graves, like, on a commentary team with him? Is that possible? You know, they don't remember a lot of things. You know, Dabakato, who was that, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's Commander Aziz. Yeah. Oh, God. So stupid. So that's happening. And Bobby Lashley will return to Raw. To discuss Drew McIntyre. Bobby was not on Raw this past Monday. Not sure why. Uh, well, the best part of Raw is actually watching you review Raw. That's the best part. The best part of watching Raw is watching me review it. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. I think I think that's probably true. Because watching Raw is not that fun. And at least I crack a couple jokes. I try to make it more fun. Mickey James got her stuff sent to her in a garbage bag by the WWE. I guess she had some personal belongings, and they sent it to her in a box in a garbage bag. And it caused a lot of heat, and Stephanie McMahon and Triple H both had to apologize for it and say that uh, the person responsible had been fired from the company. That was uh, quite something. I mean, they got rid of their fall guy pretty much, right? 
Well, they uh, got rid of somebody. We're not exactly sure who, but here's the statement from Triple H. Upon learning of the disrespectful treatment some of our recently released talent received on behalf of the company, we took immediate action. The person responsible for this inconsiderate action has been fired and is no longer with WWE. Now, there are rumors that Mark Carano has been fired, one of the talent relations people. And if you've watched Total Divas, you have seen Mark Carano be very creepy and inappropriate with a lot of people, especially the women on the show. He's putting his hands on them when he does not need to. He looks like a greasy-ass dude. I hope Mark Carano got fired because he just seemed awful, awful with the talent. I saw somebody, I think it was Darren Young, Fred Rosser. Rosser? I don't know. You know Darren Young. He used to wrestle for WWE. He said, uh... Mark Carano threatened him about his job. Let me see here. Try to get the exact quote here from Fred. There you go. Here's Darren Young's statement on Mark Carano. I was constantly harassed by him about losing my job, and I just stayed quiet. He meant quiet, but you get it. And this is a story pointing that sources indicate Mark Carano out of the WWE, according to Fightful.com. So that's the story there with Mark Carano. I think he might be the guy taking the heat and taking the fall. For this Mickey James thing, here's Mickey James. Dear Vince McMahon, I'm not sure if you're aware, I did receive my WWE care package today. Thank you. Hashtag always blessed and grateful. Hashtag women's wrestling matters. Kissy emoji. And then her stuff in a garbage bag with a piece of tape that says Mickey. Taped to the garbage bag. And Stephanie McMahon did apologize we can get to Stephanie. Here's Stephanie. Mickey James, I am embarrassed you or anyone else would be treated this way. I apologize personally and on behalf of WWE. The person responsible is no longer with our company. So there you have it. I mean, I don't know. Do you send the talent stuff to them in a loose box? Do you put it in a different kind of bag? I guess the garbage bag does send a message, I guess. I mean, it's not a classy thing to do, but I don't I don't know. The garbage bag to me uh you know, a little bit different. Von Kiki talking about Darren Till. We're talking about Darren Young. Darren Till is a different person. Darren Young is a wrestler who I think has wrestled in New Japan and different places since WWE. Darren Till is a British fighter for the UFC. Two different people. Uh, Both named Darren at one point. Darren's name now is Fred. That's his real name. Uh, Doug Hepburn says it was Carano. Yeah. And Mako says he sent the belongings of the talent to them in garbage bags so they can dislease the ass. Yeah. That's what it seems like. Um... I don't know. The garbage bag thing, it's like, yeah, I get it. I'm not super offended by that. Like, I see that. And uh, eh, I don't know. I 
I think Mark Carano, you know, probably has done way worse things than sending people's stuff to them in a box in a garbage bag. Like, if that were, like, a grocery bag or whatever, would that be better? I don't know what you're supposed to send stuff in. Like, I guess a garbage bag, it just sends a message that, like, you're trash and your stuff is trash, I guess, after they fired you. Um, But the box, I mean, I don't know. It was in a box in a garbage bag. Like, you don't want to send the stuff loose in a box, so you put it in something, you know, packaging or whatever. But maybe an envelope or a different kind of bag or something a little nicer, I guess. I don't know, John. Thoughts on garbage bag gate? Well, the way I look at it, I think in wrestling, like, for a couple of years, it's just been the standard practice of just, you know, they have some stuff that they left behind, just put it in a bag. That's what we do kind of thing. But, you know, WWE has evolved over time. And the fact that there's a dress code, these people have a certain etiquette they have to uphold. I think that there needs to be a bit more thought put into the whole process of, like, you know, just a garbage bag because it does kind of send the wrong message in a sense that, well, we just fired you, you know, you're garbage and this is all your garbage. Like people can look at that the wrong way. And, uh, you know, Mickey obviously was very offended by that. You know, they just didn't really look into that as much as they, you know, as much as Mickey did pretty much. So like, I could see that because I'm sure in like a lot of wrestling companies, I wouldn't be surprised. Many just companies, period. People would just put in a bag like that. Like it's not towards like thinking that you're garbage. It's just that's what they have it handy at the time kind of thing. And that's just kind of what they do to clear, clean it up. They put in a bag like that. It's just mainly just for organization. But yeah, they just maybe you should think more about this. And they are, you know, a billion dollar company. They can't afford something better than a garbage bag. Yeah. They could afford better packaging. They could spend the money to send it to her in something nicer. They really could have. They could have. Uh, I didn't think that this was the the biggest insult that you could uh, throw at somebody, but it was definitely not a classy move by a supposedly classy company, right? And I don't think that Mark Carano is a classy guy. Yeah, especially when you just release him like that. It's not nice. It's not nice. Especially to Mickey James, who, you know, you're going to induct in your Hall of Fame one day. Right? She's a Hall of Famer. You don't want to do that to Mickey James. It's disrespectful. And apparently well, that's done not the to other person. people in the past. Yeah, exactly. They've done it to a bunch of people. But, I mean, I don't know how, uh, you know, I don't know if they were on the level with Mickey James. She's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's a tough situation, and uh, hopefully there'll just be more thought put into I Clearly there'll be more thought put into this now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's sad that uh, she was offended this way. I would like the WWE to treat their legends a little bit better. You know? Treat your legends a little bit better. Show a little bit more respect. Treat them a little bit classier than than you do currently. Mickey James is a legend of the business. In my opinion, she had Trish Stratus's biggest and best WrestleMania match. Well, I don't Treat know best better. match, but 
at Mania? There was a really good three-way match. I think it was at WrestleMania 18. I think it was Lita and Jazz in a three-way. That match was fantastic. That For a while, that was like the best women's match I'd ever seen. And Trish was in that one? Yeah, Trish was definitely yeah. in that one. I feel like Trish won that match, if I'm no, not mistaken. Jazz did. In six minutes, oh, 16 Jazz did. seconds. Great match. Six-minute match. I don't know. To me, Trish and Mickey was one of the most memorable WrestleMania matches ever. It's an iconic match. I think the angle, yes. But I don't know in terms of the actual match. And, of course, a lot of that match has now been erased from history. So that one spot. Hard to find a lot of it. That one spot. I feel there's another spot, too, but could be wrong. I don't know. When Mickey James grabbed Trish's crotch and then licked her hand, it was like, oh, my God. That was one of the most iconic WrestleMania moments that you will never see again. If you saw it, you saw it. If you didn't, well, you'll never get to see that again because they have erased it from history. But it was fucking shocking, and it was cool. And it really added to that Mickey James character at the time who was, like, crazy and obsessed with Trish. It was amazing. It, it was for, again, the moment. I don't know so much the wrestling, but for the wrestling. shock value, it's about moments. Question. Wrestling is about moments, brother. It was a WrestleMania moment that'll live on in infamy. infamy. If you want a Austin Brett, that that gets everything. Good wrestling and great moments. Well, not everything could be Austin Brett, John. Okay? Sometimes we have Hogan and Andre. Was that a great match? I think it was solid. It wasn't, like, if you go back and watch it, like, it was okay, but it wasn't like, oh, my God, this is a five-star classic. It was about one moment, the body slam and the leg drop and the one, two, three. Moments, man. People don't really remember matches. They remember moments. I, I oh, thought it was a solid match, to be honest. I mean, besides uh, Macho's match, it was probably the second-best match on the show. Hmm. All right, John. But it wasn't a classic wrestling match, was it? I mean, it was special it was for good. what it was, but would you I think call it taken one of the greatest a lot of matches ever? Consideration, though. I think you have to take a lot of consideration. The fact that Andre was like broken down and could barely even do anything. Well, that's it. It's amazing what they were to pull off, though. Okay. I mean, it's amazing what they did. Yeah, sure. For what he was able to do, it was, it was pretty good, but... It wasn't like Brett and Austin at 13, right? That was better. Well, I, I'd argue that, you know, Brett and Austin might be the best match we've ever seen in WrestleMania history, arguably WWE altogether. So, I mean, that's kind of unfair. But you could argue that Hogan Andre might be one of the greatest main events ever, like WWE yeah. history, too. So, As far as the build and stuff, but as far as the match itself, like, eh, it was okay. It did the trick. It's definitely it better than Roman and Undertaker. Yes, that is true. Because Hogan knew how to carry a veteran and make him look good and keep it simple. Roman does not. Because Hogan was one of the greatest top guys and champions of all time and had one of the longest runs because he was very, very good. Roman is not as good as Hulk Hogan. Not even close, to be honest. Not even close. 
Right. I think a lot would argue with that, but I mean, you know, Hogan yeah, had a lot more well, years. Well, they'd be wrong. Roman they'd be is very wrong. Roman has never been close to a percentage of over as Hulk Hogan was, and he never will be. I mean, come on, man. Do you not remember what it was like to be a kid in 1990? I remember. No, Hulkamania was, was running real. wild. I remember. It was real. Hulk Hogan There's like no saved Roman the world. Mania. From yeah, the, that's what I'm from saying. From the Gulf War. Hogan was the man. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, no, like, nobody's ever going to have another run like Hogan. You know, Hogan was great. Hogan did so much. Oh, we well, one Hogan. would argue Austin surpassed it, but. Yes, I would argue that. Yeah. I'd say Austin, uh, he changed the game. You know? He. He took the WWE from a very strong wrestling company to the only wrestling company, to a publicly traded behemoth uh, billion-dollar corporation. That was on Austin's back. The public uh, offering, the making them a public company, all of that was based off the money that Austin drew in the late 90s, making them the only game in town. Steve Austin helped Vince by WCW. Steve Austin won the Monday Night Wars. It was all about Steve Austin. Steve Austin is maybe the most important wrestler in the history of the business next to Hulk Hogan. I think you can make that argument for Hogan. You can make the argument for Austin, and it's kind of 1 and 1A. Hogan started the whole thing. Without Hogan, there'd be no WrestleMania. And you could say without Vince, there'd be no WrestleMania, and that's true, but Vince needed a guy to headline the first nine WrestleManias, and that was Hulk Hogan. So Hogan was very, very important. Uh, but then Vince needed a guy to take over WCW and uh, and take the company into that next direction and, and really explode the company, and, and that's what Steve Austin was. So I've got... Uh, I've got Hogan and Austin as the two most important guys in the history of the business, and everybody else just exists. I mean, there have been stars. There's the Cenas. There's the Rocks. There's the Romans. There's the Flares. There's, you know, all those guys. But Hogan and Austin, to me, are the two most important wrestlers in the history of the business. Two most important, most impactful, at least in uh, in my lifetime and in the modern era, in the past 50 years, I'd say. I'd say they're the two most important guys in the past 50 years. I don't think you could put anybody else even in the category of being as important. Can you throw a name out there that you would say you know has meant as much to pro wrestling, has generated the amount of money, has changed the game in so many ways? You know, Flair was big, but great champion, but I don't know. You know, Bret Hart was great, but you know he never really drew the money that a Hogan or an Austin did. Very few guys made an impact like Hulk Hogan and Steve Austin. Two two greatest ever. No one is on their level, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, you're right about that. And, you know, we haven't really seen, like, I mean, we've seen guys, like, take the top spot, but they never really were able to generate that kind of response that Hogan and Austin reached. And, you know, it's not impossible that we could see it again. It's just we haven't seen it since, and it's been a while. That's it. Hogan lit the wrestling business on fire, 
and Austin did too. No one else has been able to do it since. No one. No one's come close. John Cena was on top for over a decade. He didn't light the business on fire. John Cena was a great champion. He was great for the WWE. He brought in a ton of money. He drew money. Uh, he didn't help the wrestling business. At least, I mean, maybe he did, but he didn't. He didn't make it bigger. I think, if anything, his run on top made it smaller. I think when Cena started, there were more people watching. And when he was done, there were less. And I think a lot of people were turned off by Cena. Right? I'm not going to disagree with you because I think I've been saying that for years, actually. But Was his run a failure? You know, I mean, they needed somebody. I mean, it's the WWE that failed too, right? But if you look at Cena when he started and where the business was and then when he finished, there are fewer people watching pro wrestling. He turned a lot of people off, and they I, never came back. Yeah. Yeah, I, there's no question about that. But I think the main problem was Cena was just on top for too long, and it just became stagnant. It just became the same thing over and over again. You had a couple of different challengers that kind of made things interesting, like a CM Punk, but they've just fizzled out, and you still had Cena again. And people got tired of that, and people just tuned out, and they never came back. And they wouldn't run with anybody else. They had guys in between. They had the John Cena's, uh, you know, running on top. But then they had CM Punk. They had RVD. They had Edge. They had uh, Daniel Bryan. They had a lot of different options that they could have gone with. But every time they just kept going back to John Cena, exactly like they are right now, they keep going back to Roman Reigns. After Cena left and passed the torch, it was Roman's game. And Roman is just a part two of the John Cena run. It is part two. But with a twist. Yeah, he turned heel. He actually, yeah, well, that's what Cena needed, and they never did. But doesn't this feel like I, John Cena 2.0? Like, this is just, like, more of the same character. They've just kind of changed the actor playing him. I find Roman's a much better actor, to be honest, but... The fact that he's a heel, it's just like, wow, it's just spread, it's breathed new life into his character. Like, he's not, he's not definitely not the same Roman that he was a year ago. There's no question about that. Right. It's totally. And to be honest, this could be the best Roman we've seen so far. Like, Cena, like, just became, like, pretty much 2016, you know, pretty much all the way up to, like, when he retired. Like, Roman, like, this is brand new right here. And this is probably the best version that we're getting right now. So yeah. the fact that he's actually getting better over the years, it's already an improvement over Cena. Babyface Roman felt a lot like Cena. Very similar, very similar, you know, style promo. Said a lot of the same type of stuff. Uh, heel Roman is more interesting. It feels like more of Joe Anawaii coming through. It feels more authentic. Uh, and he's saying, you know, better things. The promos are much better. The matches, you know. Again, you know, I talk about Roman and Cena, and I compare them to Austin and Hogan. And the reason I'm doing this is because I'm trying to illustrate a point. 
the WWE, they had Austin, they had Hogan, and they ran with them. And they damn well should have run with them because those guys lit the business on fire. But for them to keep going back to the well with John Cena for as long as they did, and to keep going back to the well with Roman Reigns, who, yeah, Roman's good. This is probably the best version of Roman we've ever seen. But is he lighting the business on fire? Is he changing the game? Is he bringing in more eyeballs? Does Roman Reigns on your weekly TV show mean a higher rating? And if it does, is it significant? Or is it like 100,000 people? Because if he's drawing like an extra 100,000 people when he's on, that's not enough to make him the top guy forever. And that's the problem. They stick with guys and have stuck with guys for the past 15, almost 20 years now who are not lighting the business on fire. And when you do have guys that show up and seem to catch fire and and get some play and people want to watch them, you bury them at the expense of the guys like Roman or Cena who haven't caught fire, but hell, they're your guys, so you're going to keep on pushing them anyways. And that's been the issue with the WWE for nearly 20 years now. They don't have a guy that's fire. They keep sticking with their company guy because that's who they want. And any hint of a spark anywhere, they extinguish very quickly with their guy. Because God forbid anybody else catches fire, because that completely rocks the boat and changes the whole thing and then gives a certain guy power that they don't want to give power to. Ask CM Punk how it how it went, getting to the top of the WWE when he wasn't supposed to be at the top of the WWE. They fucked him around, and then he quit. And that's how it works. And that's really the frustration, I think, of a lot of wrestling fans still with the WWE. Even though John Cena's gone, it's the same way of operating. They continue to push these guys and go back to the well with these guys that are just not that hot. That people don't really care about. Yet the WWE maintains that they are the top guys in the wrestling world. Okay. You could say that all you want, and you could place them at the top of your wrestling company. But, you know, if you're not drawing a lot of people and people don't really care, are you doing a good job? I don't think so. So that's really my main issue with the WWE and their booking of all of their talent, and primarily with their booking of Roman Reigns and John Cena over the past 15 years, is that, you know, these guys aren't lighting the business on fire, yet they keep going back to them. I've seen guys who were fire in wrestling. I saw Hogan. I grew up on Hogan. And then when I got a little older, I grew up on Austin. We saw the best of the best. And that's why we are so demanding. Because when I was, you know, five years old, I started watching wrestling, and I saw Hulk Hogan, and he was my hero, and he was incredible. And then when I was 12 years old, Stone Cold Steve Austin took over wrestling, and he was a hero, and he was incredible. So we're just used to guys that are actually uh, top-of-the-line, world-class pro wrestlers. 
Johnny and I have grown up on the best of the best, the cream of the crop, and now we're stuck with, you know, these guys. We're spoiled, John. We're just spoiled. I don't know if I really blame the talent so much. as It's just WWE hasn't just found the right way to push, like, the next big star. Like, things just kind of have to fall into place kind of thing, and it's harder for them now because it's so controlled. Like, Steve Austin probably couldn't have gotten over if he was in this kind of environment. No. So. No. They would have uh, killed Austin 316 as soon as it happened. Right? If Steve Austin did the Austin 316 thing now, it would never have taken off. Because they were still in the mode of, hey, if it's going to catch fire, let's go with it and see where it goes. If this guy's going to be our next guy, let's do it. Let's go with it. And it caught fire and they went with it. Now, if somebody else catches fire, they're like, no, 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 put him out because he's not Roman. But Austin came in at a good time. You know, Brett was leaving, Sean was leaving. It was Austin's time. Timing was very important, too. But, you know, they didn't want Austin. They didn't want him to be the guy he wasn't the chosen one, and he became the greatest superstar in the history of the business. Oh, well. We will be back here tomorrow night, 10 p.m. Eastern, for the UFC 261 watch-along. When I say we, I mean me and AJ, not Johnny. Although, you know, you're always welcome, John, if you want to. Tomorrow night, 10 p.m. Eastern for the UFC 261 pay-per-view watch-along. It is Jorge Masvidal versus Kamaru Usman. It is Jessica Andrade versus Valentina Shevchenko. It is Zhang Weili versus Rose Namajunas. A big triple championship. Three title fights. Big main event tomorrow night, UFC 261. We will be here watching all the action with you. Follow along at Ringside Report on Instagram and Twitter, where I think AJ will be posting our parlays, our betting picks, to get you some money tomorrow night watching UFC 261. Follow us over at Ringside Report on Twitter and Instagram. Go to ringsidereport.net to check us out. And don't forget to like this video. Leave a comment and subscribe to the channel. When you subscribe, click the bell so you get notifications every time we are on. Go to donate.ringsidereport.net. Go to merch.ringsidereport.net. Thank you to Doug Hepburn. You are our super chat leader of the night. Shout out to Doug. Shout out to Patrick C. Hamilton as well for the super chats tonight. We appreciate you. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Doug. Doug and Nick out in... Kingston, Ontario, I know you guys are disappointed because the Canadians hockey team lost tonight. Seeing you guys on the chat, disappointed that they lost. But, hey, at least you can win tomorrow night with us for our UFC 261 picks. Going with Usman big time. Johnny North, that's it. I will see you again uh, Wednesday night after Dynamite. I'll be back here, of course, tomorrow night for the UFC 261 Watch Along, Monday night right after Raw, Wednesday night after Dynamite, and then once again next Saturday night after WWE SmackDown. Thank you, everybody, for watching. I'll see you again tomorrow.